and welcome to another installment of the Voice for Choice podcast, back in better than ever from a summer hiatus. In this special episode of the podcast, we'll be tackling the tension between Lithuania and China, headlined, of course, by the Taiwan question, which is an issue that Vilnius has found itself at the vanguard of, especially within the EU, for quite some time now. Joining me for this discussion will be Konstantinas Andriauskas. He's an associate professor of Asian Studies and International Politics at Vilnius University. Dr. Andriauskas has been a prolific writer on the trials and tribulations of Lithuania and its tightening ties with Taiwan. Pleasure to have you here, Dr. Andriauskas. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure for me as well. So before we can zoom in on the uh, specific issues that are painting the current picture of Lithuania and China relations, as well as Taiwan and Lithuania relations, I kind of want to zoom out on the historical underlying factors here. How much of Lithuania's current stance towards both China and Taiwan is painted by historical issues, especially related to uh, Lithuania's history emerging from the Soviet Union as one of the first countries to break away from that bloc? Well, I would argue that it happens to be a major factor, particularly considering the composition of the current government and there are even family connections when it comes to the most important decision makers behind what's going on. Uh, there are family connections that uh, are basically um, that would trace back to the struggle against the the Soviet rule, and uh, I believe that the Soviet experience happens to be one of the uh, issues that are unjustifiably neglected when uh, Lithuania is being discussed in the current uh, context of the worsening uh, relationship with China in general. Also, we have to remember that the Republic of China, Taiwan, that is the, the regime on the island, was pretty consistent by not recognizing the occupation of uh, the Baltic uh, states throughout the whole uh, Cold War. So that is something that we appreciate a lot, though in comparison to the fellow two Baltic states of uh, Estonia and particularly Latvia, our relationship with Taiwan was uh, probably not as significant. I mean, quite obviously, the, the, the non-official relationship was not as significant as, for example, in the case of Latvia, because neighboring Latvia was actually playing very seriously with this idea of establishing an official Taiwanese office or you know, establishing official diplomatic relations back in the 1990s, in the beginning of the 1990s. That is part of the reason why the Taiwanese office, the one which uh, is the only one in the Baltic states as of now, right, we're awaiting the the, the new uh, Taiwan office, not really Taiwanese, to be opened in Vilnius, but uh, the, the one which is being operational in the Baltic states for decades already is in Riga, in neighboring Latvia. So definitely, I would, I would say yes to this question. Well, and you alluded to some of the important figures, uh, obviously, uh, Gabrielis Landsberg is being one of those that you're alluding to. I was hoping you could give our listeners more color on uh, his position and also the power of these certain personalities in driving the debate over Taiwan. Well, definitely. Uh, the uh, Foreign Minister Gabriel Slansberg is, is, is the grandson of Dietrich Slansberg, who is widely considered uh, to be uh, the single most important figure in terms of the, the anti-Soviet struggle that eventually led 
to Lithuania's independence since uh, the, the mid-1980s uh, to the early 1990s. Uh, so this is the most uh, important family connection. There are quite some of important politicians in several of the decision-making institutions who are widely considered to be friends of Taiwan who once in a while go to the island. This also happens to be the case actually with the Lithuanian delegation in the European Parliament. So our uh, EP members also, there, there are several who happen to be pretty friendly with Taiwan, who have established personal connections uh, already. But uh, I wouldn't also be willing to kind of overemphasize the current governmental and the personal factors still, because what we also need to recognize is that it is obviously very convenient to say that the current shift in Lithuanian's foreign policy making towards China or the cross-trade relations in general is primarily about the current government about the people who got elected, who entered the governmental position since uh, the, the, the fall, since autumn uh, of last year. Uh, the shift actually has star started uh, earlier than that. It's already several years in the making, but the current government is obviously way more uh, willing uh, to pursue this uh, shift uh, right about now. So the discussion is way older. Uh, there were quite a lot of actions taken by the previous government, but uh, it is the current government which actually, you know, collects the vast majority of the credit, so to speak, when it comes to the, the um, uh, to the current situation on the ground vis-a-vis uh, -vis the relationships with both Beijing and, and Taipei. Certainly, Lithuania and the Baltic countries in general are some of the most negative on China. Uh, but I'm curious if you could color any feelings about Taiwan or um, any historical inklings of what the Lithuanian population feels with respect to Taiwan rather than um, perhaps negatively about China. So several years ago, an opinion survey was made in the country before the pandemic, I believe it was mid-2019, and the views on China, on the mainland, right, were rather positive uh, across the population at large, uh, and this marked a pretty big difference to the uh, political and particularly, quite obviously, the military security part uh, of the elites. But uh, since the start of the pandemic, the situation has changed pretty markedly. A very substantial part of the Lithuanian population apparently feels that China should be blamed for what is going on from the uh, pandemic and uh, definitely has painted China in a quite negative colors ever since. The island of Taiwan, however, was not really seen as a major issue across the population. Uh, the usual topic when it comes to uh, what China would consider uh, as, as its core interests or as its uh, domestic political matters, uh, the, the most focal topic in Lithuania has usually been the question of Tibet. And all of the other issues, they were kind of uh, subsumed under the question of Tibet. And when it comes to social activism, when it comes to quite a lot of politicians, particularly of, of visibly uh, anti-communist uh, uh, stance, which I think has a lot to do with our historically experienced, that was the usual question. But then with the changes on the ground, uh, particularly in, in uh, Hong Kong, and then with the uh, factor of the pandemic, 
other factors emerged. And for example, uh, a pretty substantial part of the Lithuanian population that knows that uh, it, it does not really care that much about the international status of Taiwan, but it does know that Taiwan is fighting the pandemic better. It does know that Taiwanese authorities were among the first ones to actually voice their concern about what had been going on uh, in China on the verge of the years 2019 and, and 20. So there is this general appreciation of Taiwan as a certain entity, as a certain place, which is pretty effective in fighting the pandemic and which is also associated with uh, high-tech perspectives in terms of the economic uh, field. So more acknowledgeable people would obviously add liberal democracy to this uh, whole picture, but again, I would probably be uh, too optimistic if, if uh, I, uh, I would claim that the vast majority of, of Lithuanians would know, the, the again, the political and even economic peculiarities of the islands of Taiwan or the cross trade relations in uh, general. I believe that when it comes to the Lithuanian debates about the, the issue, uh, the whole China question is very much subsumed by whole popularity ratings of the current government. Quite a lot of people who would criticize the government, they would simply add the China card, the, the, the China challenge card to the whole mix without really appreciating the sheer nature of that challenge and without uh, truly appreciating the uh, level or the degree of the possible Chinese negative response to what we have uh, truly been uh, doing. At this particular point, uh, you know, the threat of Chinese response is still largely verbal. I'm saying that it does not quite obviously mean that uh, China has not been hurting us economically, but within the public discourse, the uh, level of that uh, economic so-called punishment is blown out of the proportion totally. And that is something that we uh, should also be aware of. In terms of punishment, certainly there's been at least one major threat uh, in the typically bombastic uh, Global Times, which suggested that Belarus and Russia team up with China in order to punish uh, Lithuania for its actions with regard to Taiwan. How much do the Belarus and Russia angles, especially with regard to Lithuania as a NATO country and China now coordinating with Russia, play into um, the dynamics of Lithuania-China and Lithuania-Taiwan relations as well? Well, they do play a lot because Lithuania, uh, along with the other two Baltic states, it would consider to be Russia its most important threat. Uh, in many ways, a near existential threat. So it is no wonder then that relationships between Moscow and Beijing are also pretty concerning to us. I mean, all of the countries, they do feel that the strategic partnership is indeed deepening and that although within the actual partnership, quite obviously, China increasingly plays the upper hand, but there are immediate short to medium term uh, boons to the Russian authorities as well, which uh, basically dilute the impact of the Western sanctions to a pretty large degree, which kind of support uh, by extension the uh, Russian assertive actions in its immediate neighborhood, including towards uh, the Baltic states. That is something of utmost concern to us. 
And since I've previously mentioned that, uh, you know, that the perception of China as a threat uh, was not really for a long period associated with the uh, vast majority of Lithuanians and even were quite some of the uh, political and particularly the economic elites. Uh, but uh, when it comes to military and security community in the country, obviously this happens. This happened to be a major source of concern for several years now. I believe uh, at least since the mid 2017, when uh, the uh, People's Liberation Army Navy vessels entered the Baltic Sea for the first time ever conducted joint military drills with uh, the uh, Russian Navy, uh, they wanted to send the message, and the message was gotten in, in, in the Baltic states, and I believe on the other literal NATO or in general Western countries as well. So uh, a year and a half passed uh, after uh, the drills and the all of the Baltic states uh, intelligence agencies named China as a threat within their national security for the first time. So that was something very much in the making. So I would definitely argue that the Russian uh, component is, is a very interesting uh, and definitely a factor in this uh, regard. Having in mind the peculiar nature of the global times quite obviously we also have to be sober about that we all do know uh, what kind of publication that is we all do uh, understand its intended purposes but from the perspective of the current decision makers in the country when it comes to the foreign policy making this was something that might be seen as very counterproductive for the chinese side itself because the possible interpretation of the saying that China should join forces with Russia and Belarus to punish Lithuania, right? It is something that we have been expecting all along. And I mean, the current discourse of our foreign policy making is precisely the one that uh, neither should economic and political matters be separated anymore while dealing with authoritarian countries, particularly the harshly authoritarian countries, as all of the three uh, above mentioned countries uh, are. But uh, nor should the uh, approaches towards those countries and when Lithuanian countries, this definitely Russia, Belarus, and China, should be divided. And uh, those countries should be looked at together. They should be treated to a pretty large degree together as belonging to an increasing, growing, deepening authoritarian consensus. Another possible way to interpret this in a negative fashion from the perspective of Beijing's own goals is uh, to see this message as a tacit acknowledgement that China probably has not that much to hurt us with. And probably this is the reason that 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 they are willing to to you know to ask for uh, the the Russian and Belarusian help. When it comes to Russia and Belarus, uh, a lot of things they are, have already been happening. So I believe the China has not that much to add in this picture. Uh, and when it comes to the actual possible Chinese repercussions, this is something that would be done on bilateral basis or through affecting the. Uh, supply chains 
uh, through other countries, not Russia or Belarus, because, you know, when it comes to Lithuania's relations with both Moscow and Minsk, uh, they have already reached very low levels, well, near crisis uh, levels for several years in the case of Moscow, for for half a year at least in, in the case of, Be- of Belarus, in the case of Minsk. Yeah, understood. And uh, could you speak a bit further into uh, how the U.S. plays into that? Because uh, the U.S. and China bifurcating on the global system certainly uh, must play a role in terms of Lithuania's calculus, again, as a NATO country. Well, let me try and answer this question, jump-starting from the um, Chinese uh, narrative. And if we would look at the global times, at the other uh, opinion pieces by the the uh, Chinese authors and representatives of the of the uh, uh, political uh, elites as well. Uh, there is this constant narrative that the Lithuania is basically following the the uh, the American commands. What they do indeed fail to recognize is the peculiarity of Lithuania. I mean, uh, Lithuania is the country that was the first to proclaim independence from the Soviet Union. At that time, this was a major decision. I mean, if our leadership would have listened to our would-be allies in the Western world, including the most powerful uh, countries, uh, we would probably not be independent at this time, right? Lithuania, despite being a small country, indeed, on, on the vast majority of those accounts, is, is actually a pretty proud country. It feels that it has a certain role to play, not only in regional affairs, which is definitely the, the case, but also somewhat in the global affairs, particularly in the current context when the liberal democratic order is under a threat that hasn't been seen for more than 30 years already. So this is something that has to be appreciated by uh, our opponents uh, as well, because you know if they would fail uh, to to appreciate this fact, their their judgment might be might lead to very drastic consequences, not for us but for themselves to begin with. Having said that, however, we also need to remember that uh, the Baltic states in general and Lithuania in particular uh, happens to be one of the most pro-American countries in the world. Uh, Lithuania is very pro-European and uh, Lithuania is very pro-American at the same time. Quite a lot of countries in this extended regions that, uh, region that the Chinese would like to call Eastern and Central Europe, we ourselves would see ourselves, uh, ourselves as, uh, as part of Northern Europe, but still uh, quite a lot of countries and their populations are characterized. By, by this logic, we're both uh, pro-European and we are pro-American. So that makes us uh, avid Euro-Atlanticists, right? So we do not necessarily need to follow uh, the Americans on many of, of the American foreign policy making ventures. We tend to agree with them on principles. Right. This is this is uh, an issue that also has uh, to be uh, appreciated. America, quite obviously, is the main security provider through the NATO institutions to Lithuania. That is very much appreciated. Uh, Lithuania and the Baltic states in general are uh, part and parcel of that uh, small but 
yet increasing group of the NATO members that are uh, actually fulfilling the obligation of, of spending more than 2% of their GDP to uh, defense, though in Lithuanian context that this uh, a pretty recent endeavor and achievement. So the alliance structures, not only in terms of security, but also in terms of the value-based order, the, the value-based community uh, being part and personal of that is of utmost uh, significance to Lithuania. I believe that what Lithuania is feeling at the moment is that the world is radically changing. It is imperative at this particular point to actually recognize these changes and to actually react to them because the feeling is that quite a lot of other countries including the, the our allies quite some of our most important allies including in Europe that are stuck to this period which was you know before the years 2020 the years 2019 and all of that there is this uh, pretty occasional reference that Lithuania is willing to, you know, to build a great wall that would separate itself from China, that it wants to, to kind of, you know, burn the bridges with China. But uh, our official and non-official perception is that it is China which is actually doing that. China is disattaching itself. China itself is, is, is creating, building that wall, which is which today is not only economic, uh, technological, infrastructural, it's very much uh, people-based as well. Try to enter China these days is nearly impossible if you are not a, a diplomat. If that's a very strange uh, development. China is entering this self-isolationist mode, uh, and, and uh, this is something that, uh, to, uh, to which all of us have to react. And this has a lot to do with this recognition that there are so many unfulfilled you know, promises associated with China. And Lithuania would not see any way for those promises to be fulfilled, even if our relationship would be at, at, at a way better shape than uh, it currently is. What we also need to mention, however, that the normative dimension is important, uh, at least as far as the politicians are concerned, but the normative dimension is not necessarily about, uh, you know, authoritarianism versus liberal democratic order, you know, this 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 imminent showdown from the perspective of quite some of the policymakers here. But it's very much about the fact, yet again, that uh, Taiwan helped us a lot uh almost a year and a half uh, ago by sending the the uh, personal protective equipment during the first uh, wave of the pandemic then Lithuania reciprocated and quite substantial contribution to the would-be crisis between Beijing and, and, and Vilnius was actually related to the fact that our DDAM foreign minister, that's why I've also referred to the, the foreign government uh, previously, that he called uh, the head of the World Health Organization, Mr. Gabriasus, and asked him to consider the possibility of actually extending an invitation to Taiwan to participate in the World Health Assembly, which at that time seemed to be a perfectly sane idea, considering that Taiwan provided this best case scenario of how to deal with the pandemic, and their knowledge was absolutely crucial 
in terms of dealing with the global problem, the problem that all of us are dealing with, including China, including Czech Republic, including all of the rest of the countries. And China said no, and you know they actually uh, targeted our country with quite some of the economic statecraft attempts at that particular uh, time. For example, you know basically freezing the imports of our uh, wheat, which at that time seemed to be uh, a recent success for in terms of our trade relationships. I mean. Um, this is something that the uh, Lithuanian considers to be extremely provocative. And since our level of actual economic relationship, neither at that time nor even more, this is the case uh, today, it's not that uh, big, strictly speaking. So uh, we've considered other options how to pursue the relationship with the mainland China, thus contributing to the current situation on the ground. The world has changed pretty substantially. China has changed pretty substantially and that change is, is very rapid extremely uh, rapid our diplomatic staff uh, they they have told me that they do not recognize China anymore. The changes that, that have happened there throughout a year, throughout uh, the last half a year, they are manifest not only to us, which is rather obvious considering the state of the relationships that we are uh, finding ourselves in, but to their colleagues from other countries as well. This is something that we we have to take into account while you know projecting the perspective of all of our countries' relationships with the People's Republic at this point. Definitely a lot to take into account and things changing, but it's nice and refreshing to have a sober, characteristically sober Lithuanian view on the events. So I thank you very much for your time, Dr. Andriaskis. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Don't go anywhere because this is the return of the Voice for Choice podcast from our summer hiatus. This is a special double episode. And in order to assess the economic relationship that Dr. Andrioskis alluded to, both in terms of Lithuania and China, as well as Lithuania and the budding relationship it has with Taiwan, we'll be vetting the facts and figures alongside Dr. Willem Semerak, a Czech-based economic expert that has actually modeled a lot of the potential impacts from both the deteriorating Chinese-Lithuanian relationship and the budding and optimistic tone that has been set between Vilnius and Taipei. So remember to make the right choice and stay tuned for the second half of this special double episode. Joining me for the second part of this podcast is Dr. Willem Semerak. He is a researcher at the Economics Institute of the Czech Academy of Sciences and a senior lecturer at the Institute of Economic Studies at Charles University. So very much a pleasure to have you here, Dr. Semerak. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, Dr. Semerak, just getting into the research that specifically piqued my interest for this podcast, you had done some extensive work on the Czech situation with regards to Taiwan in terms of China retaliating on uh, Milos Vysterchil's visit to Taiwan. Uh, um, on the Czech Republic. And I was curious what your findings were there and you could kind of introduce how you look at this type of research before getting into the Lithuanian case specifically. Well, so what we are doing for quite a few years, I've been interested in the relative position of China and the Czech Republic and other Central European countries in international supply chain and international, international export flows. So when uh, the visits kind of happened last year, I decided to try to simulate what might happen if China really retaliates uh, severely in a way that they were threatening to other countries, like to Australia or recently to Lithuania. That means if they cut Czech exports to the Chinese market, 
And these simulations were supposed to include uh, the linkages that can be analyzed thanks to the access to the supply chain data. That means what would happen if China stops uh, buying our exports and we are able to transfer some of the burden to our purchases of intermediate parts of other from other countries. And in terms of the check case that you were analyzing, what were the key findings uh, with respect to the retaliatory measures there? It depends on what kind of scenario you, you consider. When you are looking at the most pessimistic, pessimistic scenario, so we would simply lose Chinese market, we would be selling zero exports of all the previously exported commodities to the Chinese market, and we would not be able to replace it with any other market then we were losing something between say one and one and a half percent of gdp if we were able to replace the chinese market uh, possibly with other either european or extra european partners then this was suddenly decreasing to a fraction of this several tenths of a percentage point of, of gdp of check output so not exactly monumental impacts how does the czech case compare to the lithuanian case now that that's found itself in beijing's crosshairs uh, that's definitely not some kind of monstrous effect and that's quite a kind of logical to expect because if you look at how distant these countries are and what is the long-run average share of China in Czech exports then you cannot really expect that high export related effects. After all, even in spite of all the supposed friendliness and increased friendliness in mutual relations, Czech exports to China were kind of between 1.2 and 1 point percent of overall Czech exports. So these kind of numbers are pretty much in line with what we would expect. Concerning the Lithuanian case, if you compare Lithuania with other European countries, and if you rank all the countries according to share of China in the country's exports and imports, then you will find out that Lithuania is consistently at the bottom. It's uh, among the uh, lowest three countries in terms of share of China in Lithuanian exports. In uh, 2019, in 2020, the role of China in Lithuanian imports slightly increased, possibly because of the effects of the COVID. But still, we are talking about 1% share in terms of exports and about, well, 3 to 4% share in, ter in terms of imports, which is actually even less than what the Czech Republic has. So, in that sense, it would be kind of nothing to lose for Lithuania in terms of uh, the potential retaliation, at least looking at it from the import-export standpoint. If you look at the import and export, based on the data that you have, firstly, the share of China is relatively small, and secondly, even when you look at the composition of trade, there doesn't seem to be, at least uh, at uh, my uh, from my external perspective, anything dramatic that could uh, that would immediately signal some direct threat. So, I, I guess that Lithuanians were probably very well aware of what they are, what they were doing, and that they were that they were aware of the fact that. China may have very limited direct options how to hit their economy. Well, maybe not so many direct options, but are there any perhaps indirect uh, options that you've assessed uh, in terms of China's ability to retaliate uh, perhaps through proxies? Well, if, if China decides to use proxies, then obviously if you look at Lithuanian uh, geographical situation and if you look at how international trade typically functions, and you will not be surprised that Lithuania is having lots of trade with Russia. So I think about 13 or 14 percent of both their imports and exports respectively is related to Russian economy. 
It's obviously less than the share of the EU, which is in excess of 50 or somewhere between 50 and 60 percent in, in both imports and exports. But it's still a sizable number and it means that the Lithuanians are much more vulnerable with respect to Russian influence. Then obviously they are also neighbors of Belarus. Belarus was also uh, the, uh, uh, the country via which some of the trade flows previously blocked by Russian embargoes were flowing to Russia. So in, com in collaboration with uh, Belarus and Russia, China might in theory be able to exert greater pressure on Lithuania. That's true. And do we have any potential corollaries to this? I know that you study, uh, obviously, Chinese uh, economic interests internationally and not just in this region. Is there any sort of precedent for coordinating to that degree? I'm not aware of a perfect precedent. These issues are always a bit tricky. Countries imposing embargoes often have enough troubles with convincing even their domestic economic agents to uh, fully collaborate with the official regulation and to fully respect the embargo. But uh, in the past uh, few years, there have been increasing worries that similar to what uh, the US have been doing in the past, in the case of Cuba and Helms-Burton Act, or in the case of Iran, that China may be uh, in future willing to reach to extra extraterritorial application of sanctions. That means that it might, for instance, issue regulations by which it would try to hit uh, uh, Lithuania also through pressure on these partners. So such issues have been considered, but I'm not fully aware of, of a situation when they would be used at least at some uh, sufficiently relevant and important level. Okay, understood. And from to flip the page to the Taiwanese angle, uh, Lithuania is obviously... Recently, there's been huge headlines about uh, Taiwanese consumers buying as many Lithuanian products as possible. Uh, obviously, the vaccine uh, exchanges, things along those lines. Uh, is there much data so far on the Lithuania-Taiwan relationship, and, and how does that compare to the Chinese relationship? Well, we obviously have got data about how much Lithuanians were importing and exporting from Taiwan before all this happened, and, and frankly. The, the numbers are expectable, so the share of Taiwan was even lower than the share of China, and it would have to increase really dramatically by hundreds of percent to make any real influence. What we were so far seeing, some of the news about, for instance, Taiwanese consumers now uh, being very eager to buy Lithuanian chocolates, that's obviously very nice, but uh, even the most optimistic uh, estimates that I have seen we're talking about possible effects to the tune of several tens of millions of US dollars, which is actually relatively little even for, a, uh, for, even for a smaller country like Lithuania. So these are more like optical uh, issues or some kind of icing on the cake that can sweeten some relations, which can lead to some positive image or perhaps to which can slightly add to the small country's soft power and influence. But... Uh, I will be very positively surprised if indeed there will be some lasting dramatic effect on a Lithuanian foreign trade. No, certainly there's a major political concerns that are probably subsuming the economic issues. But I am curious about what Lithuania has said in terms of opening their trade office uh, and trading more with Taiwan. 
is the sense that they could trade uh, significant agricultural exports and hopefully get a slice of the Taiwanese tech industry that really is uh, world beating. Well, that would be obviously perfect if we would be if we were able to combine uh, the drive to modernization that we can observe, for instance, in Estonia with the availability of Taiwanese technologies. But I'm a, a bit a, a bit again. Uh, uh, again, a bit afraid that this might be a bit too good to be true. Firstly, uh, for Taiwan, at the same time, uh, the ability to be the key supplier, I think it's for them a vital bargaining chip and a vital piece of, of, their, of their relevance for the world. Because the rest of the world is really interested in the stability of Taiwan primarily because of its dependence on Taiwanese technological prowess, on, on their technological export. So giving that away too easily and too cheaply might not be exactly what they would be most interested at. No, certainly. Uh, it's, it's a major bargaining chip, especially in the semiconductor industry. Uh, but, I, but I am curious, uh, just as a, as a final um, uh, addendum to our conversation, considering what you had said there in terms about being over-optimistic. Do you see any corollaries between perhaps the optimism that the Baltic countries had had about uh, China in terms of acceding to the 17 plus 1 format and now sort of bolstering relationships with Taiwan in a similar fashion that they might be getting ahead of themselves, if you will? Well, I'm not sure whether I would compare it exactly to this particular situation, but it's true that uh, there is a tradition in diplomatic circles to kind of attach uh, perhaps exaggerated importance to uh, diplomatic contacts and, let's say, official delegations and trade missions. They often slightly positively contribute, but their effects on overall long-run structure of trade relations is often secondary. Often real factors such as whether a country has got skilled labor, innovations, whether they've got some interesting products to offer, is much more relevant than whether the countries are currently having less or more friendly relations. So that's why I was actually skeptical when the 16 plus one was developing. I wasn't expecting great effects on uh, uh, the mutual relations between Central and Eastern Europe and China. And here, because of the distance and because of the presence of many existing dangers and uh, transportation costs and barriers to trade, again, the overall effects probably will be extremely gradual. But it's something that uh, that is based at least on uh, some foundations. Definitely, Lithuania and Taiwan has got much more logically uh, shaped shared interests than. Uh, what we could have expected in the case of Lithuania and China in the case of the 16 or 17 plus one collaboration. But overall, I guess that speaks to the point that even uh, Foreign Minister Gabrielis Landsbergis in Lithuania was saying that this is more or less a values-based and interest-based alliance, uh, more so than it was with China, which obviously being a communist and authoritarian country doesn't share as much in common with Lithuania. So it's fair to say that this is more values-based than economics-based. I would agree. There is a pretty good chance that this is indeed in the background. And plus, if you look at the map, then obviously there is a secondary issue in the background that uh, we can pretty much expect that other Baltic states will be deeply interested in, in supporting this kind of collaboration. Lithuania is key for the ability of NATO to 
to come to the defense of Baltic states uh, and uh, having Lithuanian infrastructures, especially key infrastructure, under even uh, indirect or potential influence of mainland China might have been for some uh, groups and institutions in these countries a kind of nightmare. So having closer collaboration with somebody who is in terms of values much more compatible may bring to Lithuanians some additional indirect advantages also in other forms of perhaps defense collaboration or sensitive research. Definitely. And I think that that's really kind of the key takeaway from some of these conversations is that security and political considerations are, are really the overwhelming uh, issue at hand here. But certainly good to understand the economic impact, even if it is somewhat negligible, as you had noted in uh, some of your comments. But I really appreciate you being here to talk to us about it, Dr. Samarak. Thank you very much for inviting me and for the interesting questions. For more on this pivotal region's engagement with China, please do visit the Choice website at chinaobservers.eu. Also, consider subscribing to our newsletter, where all of the prescient posts on the Choice platform are distilled down and sent directly to your inbox every month. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, on Twitter at China Observers, and on Facebook at China Observers in Central and Eastern Europe. And as always, remember to make the right choice join us for our next Voice for Choice podcast.